The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Summit Lighthouse brings you practical spiritual answers and is the open door to sacred mysteries. These teachings, delivered by Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet, are compelling, thought-provoking, and timeless. Here are your hosts, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Door. This is the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to the magnificent light of God within. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. And today we are joined by Reverend and Dr. Nerly Duffy, who's been with us before. Nice to see you again. Thanks for inviting me. And also uh, someone we hope to hear more from in the future, Rex Davis. And uh, if you don't mind, Rex, would you give us, our audience, a quick summary of some of the hats you wear for our organization? Well, I work here at the Summer Lighthouse as a marketing analyst, but I've also been um, involved quite a bit with um, marketing and helping our organization figure out what the best way is to connect with people, uh, kind of answering the fundamental questions of, um, you know, why are we here, what mm-hmm. are we doing, where are we going. And you're something of a data wrangler, too, right? Well, you know, I, in another lifetime I had uh, <laughs> um, an education as a scientist, so unfortunately, even though my, um, you know, I wouldn't consider myself to be very good at math, I seem to have ended up you know, dealing quite a bit with Databases and spreadsheets, but it's it's good fun because you know the insights we learn are very pertinent to our yeah. organization. And sometimes we're forced into ideal situations. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, today's topic is the family, and I think it's maybe not overstating it to say that the family is both the backbone of our society and an accurate barometer of the health of our social fabric. Is that overstating the case, or is that fairly accurate? Well, I would say it's accurate. I mean, you look you, you look around at uh, what's <laughs> happening to the families, and not only in this nation but around the world, and and things are beginning to deteriorate. So, what's going on? Yeah, what what is going on? Yeah. You know, we we we've talked a lot in the past about what kind of opposition we face when we're we're light bears on the path, and we know that there are there are forces of darkness. We know that there are evil people out there, and we can see some of that evil reflected in media perhaps in some levels of education, um, cultural changes that have occurred. We even see it in some cases, Rex, in science where things are happening. And in fact, let me say this right now before we go any further. During the course of today's show, we're going to be playing two excerpts from a very powerful lecture series on the Golden Age family. And one of the points that will be made quite clearly there is that is there perhaps a rebirth of the science that was the responsible causative effect of the sinking of Atlantis and the uh, destruction of Lemuria. So we'll be going there at some point in this program. But I want to go back to this point about um, where we are in our culture right now reflects in large, to a large degree our willingness to compromise. A lot of people have said this before, but you know that our morals and our, the issues of morality and social values and family values erode a little bit at a time. And if we accept the erosion, we don't challenge it, it'll continue 
So it, it eats away at the fabric of our society from within. Mm. Well, I think, you know, they say that one of the um, litmus, litmus tests of how a society and a civilization is doing is how they treat their children. Mm. And I think if you just look at the news and see what's happening to children all around, kind of unthinkable things, and yeah. it shows how important the family is, and, and uh, as you're saying, Tom, you know, eroding away at the fabric of society. I think we've got some serious things to talk about. Well, I, we do, and I would amplify this one point about the forces of darkness: is they plan for the long term. You know, we have to they recognize do. the fact that they, they may not have what they would consider victories all at once, but they look far ahead and they plant a seed, or they remove a seed. Well, where we are now is really the result of um, some pretty long-range planning that's been going on for yeah. decades. In fact, probably way before that. So let's, let's, you know, we're looking at the condition of the family. It's not healthy right, right now. But is it necessarily on life support? Well, I think you know, we have to recognize first principles. Beyond the individual, the family is the most fundamental unit of society. And uh, the parents to the child are basically like the father, mother, God. They are the they are the number one most important teachers mm-hmm. of the child, mm-hmm. and you know I think ultimately we can um, we can see in our society that there are a lot of negative things happening, and we can attribute it to um, you know the culture, the music, the media, whatever. But ultimately, it comes down to the responsibility that the parents are taking for the education of the children, and I think that's one thing that the parents have to realize is that. They are, number one, the most important teachers of their children. And this is a complex topic, but um, if we recognize that, yes, the family is the fundamental unit of society, the smallest fundamental unit beyond the individual, uh, it makes sense that really healthy societies uh, place a lot of emphasis on having um, very good support for families uh, to do whatever they they need to do. and And we see it over and over again where the parental responsibilities are deferred to others, to role models, to teachers, the educa- mm-hmm. educational system becomes, you know, in a sense, almost daycare. Right. And it's really unfortunate that that's what they are being taught is not being challenged. You know, their parents, by and large, uh, not all of them necessarily, but a great good percentage, tend to accept the authority of the teacher and don't question it. And that's one of the most important things with, you know, education is not just something that happens in school. It's a lifelong process. That's what mm-hmm. makes us as human beings so unique is that we have this ability to culturally learn to do new things and remember it. And this is something that's lifelong. And because the the parents should be the number one most important teachers of the children, it makes a lot of sense that, uh, you know, we should not be abrogating our responsibilities to uh, teachers, whether it's a public school, private school, whatever. Yeah, you know, you mentioned before that the, the family unit, it's the father is the lawgiver. This is almost archetypal, but the family is made up of these components where the mother, the nurturing component, the omega energy, the the soft landing, if you will, not that she's not necessarily disciplinarian too, but you have this this component, this unit, and without a, without one of the members, it's dysfunctional. Without a father or without a mother, it can be much harder for the child to get the the values and the foundation that that child needs. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And when I was a, when I was a youngster, you know, the phrase <laughs> this was a while ago. Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> the phrase "You wait till your father gets home" yeah. really meant something. Yes. It because did. that was the alpha. 
Uh-oh, uh, I'm going to be judged by the alpha then. Yeah, right, lawgiver. <laughs> well, on the, on the topic of laws, you know, one of the things that we have in our society, I would say globally today, is this idea of moral relativism. And there are some thinkers that, um, I'm, I forget who, but one person coined kind of a phrase, he said, uh, moral relativism is a slippery slope, the terminal moraine, which means the bottom of which is anarchy, chaos, and despotism. Oh, wow. But it makes it makes a lot of sense. I mean, in Western civilization, we have the idea of uh, laws that are mala in se and malum prohibitum. Mm. Malum prohibitum means things that are they're like rules that society creates to yeah, kind of ease the friction ease the friction between things. Like uh, nobody, I saw on the news a guy, I guess in New Jersey or something, I got um, a thirty day jail sentence for picking up trash in a gated neighborhood before 7 a.m. And that's, that's an example of a malum prohibitum. It may be unpleasant to hear the garbage truck come by at, you know, 6.30 in the morning or whatever, but, you know, that's, that's not necessarily a, a, a mortal crime. A mala in se is something that is bad in and of itself. And all societies all over the world recognize that, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, murder. The Ten the, Commandments basically. Basically, the Ten Commandments are uh, mala in se, things that are bad in and of themselves. Yeah. And, um, need to be uh, stood up against and there need to be very strong rules so yeah. that's one of the responsibilities of the parents I mean it sounds obvious but there's hey, um, repeating you know there's a lot of lying and cheating and stealing going on out there yeah. that could be avoided through, um, and through good guidance up, and picking up garbage inside a gated community at 7 in the morning <laughs> boy, well, that's, boy that's throw that guy in jail <laughs> yeah that, that's unfortunate <laughs> but the heart really is with the individual isn't it absolutely with the individual family unit I mean if you make I'm just thinking, you know, you have a family, you have four children, you do the right thing by them, you do the best that you possibly can. Those four people are going to go out, have children of their own, and influence. And, and it's like, if this happens all over the world, in little ways, it can be huge. Well, and we know that there are certain curricula out there that, like the Montessori, um, mm. uh, uh, the whole method basically teaches a, a way of, of approaching values in a very holistic manner. But also, there was a huge movement that, unfortunately, is getting a lot of um, pushback right now, which is the homeschooling. And a lot of people have taken it upon themselves, because they don't trust the educational system, to do the schooling of their children at home. And these children are very healthy. They're very well-rounded. They are very successful in life. And the educational system is saying, oh, we're sorry, but you can't do that because you're you're missing certain things that they have to be taught. You know, you wonder what they're referring to because they can't get inside your home necessarily to know even what you're teaching. And some of these Montessori-trained uh, uh, children go on to become the the, uh, the people that invent Apple, computer, and <laughs> one thing and another. I mean, you know, yeah, the Montessori training is amazing. Well, the really interesting thing about the Montessori method uh-huh. is it encourages a communion with the inner teacher that we call the Holy Christ Self. Mm-hmm. So if parents everywhere could just let their children know from an early age that each child and the parents too can listen to the voice of the inner Christ and commune with that Christ daily, that Christ presence coming in is going to make a huge difference in, in their neighborhood, in their nation, well, and, I'm and really, in their family. I'm very glad you went there because that, that's really the crux of the show today. That's really where we want to go with this is that we, we recognize, as Rex said, that you know, some of these, these evils that are out there are fairly obvious. They can be stated, but they, we, we know them if we're awake. But the, the, the synergy of the physical with the spiritual, I mean, all the, the various components of life, not just the, the mental, 
if they're all put together mm. and done in a certain way, that the child grows up with an awareness of themselves as a holder of this divinity. And we say it at the beginning of the show, awaken to your inner divinity. Right. Well, we're talking about the I am presence, the Christ yeah. self. Those things that a parent can give its, the child virtually in the womb. I mean, it doesn't necessarily, you know, that there's just an awareness. And if that is promoted... And, and the it's, children actually come in, benefit. they come in to embodiment with that Christ presence. So they actually know in themselves, in their souls, right from wrong and what are good choices. And all we have to do is, is support that and encourage that and support families, you know, in doing that so that they can develop their inner Christ presence. And that's what's going to bring in a golden age. And as we say, one plus God is a majority. Oh, that's It doesn't take the whole nation to turn in this direction, but just a few stalwart souls. Yeah. At least to start the momentum. And, and, you know, the thought occurs to me that if if your child is being raised by uh, somebody other than the parent, well, then maybe the soul should have embodied there. You know, (laughs) the soul came in where it came in for a purpose. You know, it wants to be educated by its mother and father. Well, and, you know, that raises another issue that, we're put in the best position that we can by our karma. Right. So maybe that, that is a karmic situation that they face, being without the natural parent, well, you know, being true. thrust into a situation where, karmically speaking, they have to balance that particular aspect because perhaps that's returning the tables and where they were in previous embodiment, right. possibly. I think one of the things we've identified that is very important in this um, whole dynamic we're speaking about, the, the role of the parents as teacher and how important it is for them to be reinforce, reinforcing these um, kind of the soul knowing that the soul comes into embodiment with is that the parents, um, you know, biologically, we are all capable of raising children. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to raising children in society and uh, making them a successful part of society, uh, it takes more. Yeah. And there is, um, it's very important, I feel, for parents to really study themselves and study their own psychology mm-hmm. to prepare for raising children. Because if you want the children Ideally, the goal of the teacher is to have the student become greater than the teacher is. And the teacher takes joy in seeing the full blossoming of their idea in their student to the point where it even over, you know, outshines them. And I think that's um, that's really the goal of parenting. You want your child to grow up to be better than you. And that takes a, um, you know, there is psychological study and analysis and therapy that probably most people need need to undergo, <laughs> including myself. I've been engaged in that process as well. Me too. Well, on that note, we need to uh, take a break right now. But when we come back, um, we're going to play the first of two lecture excerpts on the nature and importance of the family. And these this was a lecture delivered by Elizabeth Clare Prophet. So please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the masters of light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, 
go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And we are back, and thank you very much for staying with us. Now, how important is the family to our future as a race? And another question, is science on the verge of rediscovering technologies that ages ago caused the downfall of Atlantis and Lemuria? Let's listen. I would like to read to you something of the fractured family taken from the book Future Shock by Alvin Toffler, which gives us an idea of what is happening to the family in our society and what will happen to it if trends, habit patterns, mores continue as they have been going for the last 20 to 40 years. The family has been called the giant shock absorber of society to which the members of the family return from being in the world, from dealing with the energies of the world. This indeed is a true function, one of the functions of the family to create a hallowed circle of life, of love at its heart, love between two people, man and woman, which forms a circle of fire that widens as selflessness also widens, to include first the offspring, and then the community, and then the whole world in that unit of love. That unit of love is the shock absorber for all who abide in the family. It is a unit of balance where the currents of Alpha and Omega can be anchored for self-mastery. As man and woman gain experience, make their vows together, and pledge themselves to the overcoming victory of one another. According to Ferdinand Lundberg, author of The Coming World Transformation, the family is dead except for the first year or two of child raising. I wouldn't call those who proclaim this view pessimists. I think they're looking at facts. I think they're looking at the trends today. And I think a good part of our society has just about accepted the fact that the family is on its way out. There are optimists. I think we may include ourselves as optimists, but more than that, practical idealists. There is no doubt in my mind that a trend, even if it is a planetary trend, can be reversed if one person makes up his mind that that trend will be reversed. The power of the individual is unequaled when that power is the power of the Christ. As Jesus proved it, as Mary proved it, as many of the saints have proven it. And so, although I read to you of the doomsday concept, I read it to you by way of knowing what we are coming to grips with and knowing what we must have to handle as we determine to make an about-face of these trends and to stand, face, and conquer. The most obviously upsetting force likely to strike the family in the decades immediately ahead 
will be the impact of the new birth technology, the ability to preset the sex of one's baby, or even to program its IQ, looks, and personality traits must now be regarded as a real possibility. Embryo implants, babies grown in vitro, the ability to swallow a pill and guarantee oneself twins or triplets, or even more, the ability to walk in a babytorium and actually purchase embryos. All this reaches so far beyond any previous human experience that one needs to look at the future through the eyes of the poet or painter rather than those of the sociologist or conventional philosopher. It is regarded as somehow unscholarly, even frivolous, to discuss these matters, yet advances in science and technology or in reproductive biology alone could within a short time smash all orthodox ideas about the family and its responsibilities. When babies can be grown in a laboratory jar, what happens to the very notion of maternity? What happens to the self-image of the female in societies which, since the very beginnings of man, have taught her that her primary mission is the propagation of and nurture of the race? Now we know, as we examine the records of Lemuria and Atlantis, that all that scientists are discovering today in terms of creating life in the test tube has been done before has been done well, that experimentation before the flood of Noah, before the sinking of Atlantis, had to do with just what is going on today, even to the point of the experimentation of the breeding of human life and animal life. And you remember the legend of the centaur, you remember the legend of the half-man, half-horse, or half-goat and half-man figures. These are not legends. These are experiments in the laboratories of the scientists of Atlantis. And so we know that scientists will continue, that they will discover more and more how to do everything in a test tube. And the experimentation now with fetuses that have been aborted shows that more and more and more will be discovered about tampering with life and the sacredness of life. When we lose the sense of the sacred, that attitude which was held by Schweitzer, reverence for life, when we lose that reverence for the flame of life within our hearts, for the flame of our young, our offspring, and those we love, it is not long before we degenerate to the level of the animal. It is reverence. It is making every act, whether it's washing the dishes or scrubbing the floor, tilling the soil, making every act sacred because it is a ritual of the release of the fire of the heart for anchoring virtue, for anchoring life in this plane. I don't think that the people that are religious on this planet are necessarily the churchgoers. I think religious people are those who perform their life's work with a sense of devotion and dedication to an ideal, to a principle, to something that goes beyond the mere physical, the desire to ennoble a culture an art, a science, a technology, with something more than just our daily bread and propagation. And so the role of the mother disappeared on Atlantis, 
And in this age where we are right at the point, right at the nexus, that position where the Divine Mother comes into focus, where we are waiting almost breathless for the Virgin Mary herself to appear in this hemisphere, right now at that point of the release of the Mother Flame comes a great wave of Antichrist, of abortion, of tearing down of the place and of the Mother role. And it is torn down on the basis of a gross misunderstanding, the idea that bringing forth of children is not something sacred, but is a propagation of species, that it is simply bringing forth more animals, more creatures, more homo sapiens, of which there are far too many on the planet. It is the loss of the sense of the sacred in motherhood that enables people to accept every interference with motherhood. Secondly, motherhood does not extend itself alone to the rearing of children. Motherhood is the nourishment of all life. It is the ensouling of a culture. Whether you are a man or a woman, married or single, you can feel the flame of motherhood. Motherhood is loving life free. It is sending forth love from your heart to uplift, not to condemn, to care for, to be concerned about your fellow man. This is motherhood. And so we do not say that every woman must bear physical children in order to be a mother, but every man and woman must sponsor life in some form in order to fulfill the action of the feminine ray. When we look at motherhood as the slavery of bringing forth homo sapiens, we rightly rebel. Why should a woman have to sit home and bear animals while her husband is out in the world fulfilling his divine plan or his own plan? Why can't woman have a career? Woman can have a career. There is no reason why woman cannot have a career. There are steps and stages to life. Bringing forth children is a career in itself if we understand, as Mary has taught us, what it means to be the mother of God. She has said the schism in Christianity has occurred because Catholics have called me the mother of God and Protestants consider this to be blasphemy. And she has said if only we will understand that to mother God is to nourish the flame of God in life, in form, in children. And so she says, as I have been the mother of God, as God has called me to be that mother on behalf of the Christ light, a borning in Jesus, you too can be the mother of God. You can nourish the flame of God, first in your own heart, then in the heart of the one you love, and then in the heart of the fruit of that union. So we are all mothers and fathers of God as we give a gesture of grace, of compassion, of mercy, as we extend a helping hand to a part of life. The schism over Mary between Protestants and Catholics dissolves with this understanding. Who will listen? Who will accept? Who will see that just the correction of such misunderstandings can lead to 
a golden age. Just the simple recognition of certain flaws, certain errors, certain degeneration in doctrine and dogma, the correction of those can bring us to an awareness of life. It's like adjusting the lens of a camera when you look to take a picture and there's a blur, you adjust the finder until the two points meet and then you have a clear image. Most people in the world today do not have a clear image. They do not see the purpose of life for the individual, for the family, for society, for government, for the nations, for the economy. And all it takes is this simple adjustment of the lens, bringing into focus with the release of kernels of truth that give us an understanding of the doctrines of every religion, what their origin was, how they have been misinterpreted, how they have been mistaught. And suddenly we find that all mankind are one in the flame of the Christ. The mystique is the flame. The mystery of the mother is the flame of the cosmic virgin, of the mother aspect of God. This is the flame that the fallen ones, Antichrist himself, sought diligently to tear down on the continent of Lemuria, where that flame was enshrined before what the Bible talks of as the fall of man, the descent from the awareness of God as mother, the descent of energies. It was the mother flame that was sunk when Mu was sunk. It was the mother flame that was torn down. When you read Climb the Highest Mountain, Chapter 3, The Heap of Confusion, you'll find that history and that explanation of the fall of Lemuria, the motherland, the mother flame. The fallen ones know that if they can destroy the mystique of motherhood in every one of you, they can destroy your potential to bring forth the Christ in your work, in your education, in whatever you are doing right now let alone in your offspring. Because without the mother, there cannot be the child. So you destroy the mother, and you wind up with children, not of the mother, but children who are the homo sapiens. And scientists looking at these children call them animals because they behave like animals. And many people upon the planet today do not behave as well as animals. And if you watch animal life, you will see many have a greater sense of honor and compassion for one another in the group soul of the species than man does for man. That's quite an indictment. It is. Well, we know that life is sacred, and the family is the cradle of life's sacred energies. We'll be back after a short break for more from Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the importance of family for anchoring the golden age. Don't go away. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Right now, all over the world, Warriors of Light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. 
Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And we are back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, let's now hear the second excerpt from that lecture by Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the nature and importance of the family. Here we go. We are so divorced from the Holy Spirit in our society, from fusion with nature, that we are no longer shocked by future shock. We are shock conditioned. Man, if he is an animal, is the animal that is the greatest distance from nature of all the species. Divorced from the Holy Spirit, which is the twin flames, the cloven tongues of our God, of our Father, Mother, God, man and woman do not understand their respective roles. And so there is not the resistance to what we call the mechanization of life. The great divine director called it the mechanization concept, where everything becomes mechanical, And there is no longer that element which can infuse a mechanical civilization with the Spirit of God. That element which we call grace. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Grace is that energy, that flow of the Holy Spirit that is like oils in the wheels of life that can make the motor hum that can transform a mundane existence and a mechanical existence. It is grace that must flow. And that grace, when we are imbued with it, will enable us to rise up en masse to resist these trends toward the mechanization of birth and the family. We want to keep remembering this grace through the seminar because it is really a key All that we are, all that we do, may be proper and correct. We may be leading lives that are reasonably according to God's plan. But if we are lacking the element of grace, we're lacking the ability to translate daily habit patterns, daily rituals, into a higher walk with God, a higher communion. So it is that grace that translates life mundane to a life that is spiritual and holy. The actions may be the same. The daily work may be the same. 
All may be the same, but it is a spirit that infuses the ritual and fulfills the prophecy, Behold, I make all things new. And the sad problem of family life today, the accent on sex, gratification of sex, people want sex to be just perfect, or they want to throw away the family. Split. Be divorced. When we have grace, when we understand the sacredness of this union, every union is made new because it is a new experience in and of the Holy Spirit of communion with a life that is God in man and in woman as this life is shared one with the other. So God can make all things new. He can rejuvenate, revivify what has deteriorated to a mechanical relationship. He can infuse our offspring with that nobility of character which we need in the golden age. We have a marriage then that takes place within us. It is the marriage of our soul, anchored in these four lower bodies, to the spirit of God, which we call the I am presence. So the spirit is the focal point of God as identity, as Venus, as I am. That is the spirit. That spirit is in heaven. The soul comes in and is clothed upon with coats of skins, which is the flesh body, the four lower bodies. The soul must evolve. Through its evolution in the schoolroom of earth, it is destined to return to reunite with the Spirit of God the Father. This is the alchemical union. You may hear this spoken of, perhaps in the Christian mysteries, perhaps in some studies you have made. But that is the true alchemical union. It is the all-chemistry, the alchemy of God, whereby that which became two for evolution, a portion of us went forth into this plane, a portion remained in heaven, will reunite to become one. Our goal, says Lanello, who is our beloved Mark ascended, is then to overthrow the stream of darkness of the dark cycle of Gemini, to reverse the tide of the splitting asunder of the being of mankind, of the tearing apart of this nation, of the splitting of the very earth in two by dividing mankind into separate camps. We are in the cycle of Gemini, and we see it as the cycle of twin flames of Father-Mother God, of Alpha and Omega. We see as Antichrist is the perversion of the Christ, so the perversion of Gemini is the splitting apart of man and woman, the splitting apart of society, the splitting of friendships, the splitting of the family. So when we feel the release of energies from the central sun that comes forth through this hierarchy, we must be aware of what will seek to tear down this union of Alpha and Omega in ourselves, the union of the soul with the spirit, and then the union of our relationships with others. Marriage is a human institution, but it is an institution that is sponsored by hierarchy. Because people have lost the thread of hierarchy of the heavenly hosts, they have lost the understanding of marriage. And so they question, how can going before another mortal who happens to be a priest or a minister or a justice of the peace, 
How can this sanctify a union that is already sanctified by love? Therefore, why marriage? There's no point to marriage, because how can man do anything more than what two can do together? And so in this light and in this argument, there is no need for marriage until and unless we understand the spiritual origins of marriage, which has to do with the union of twin flames. Twin flames are simply flames of the masculine feminine aspects that come forth to make up the divine whole. Everyone sitting here is a half of a whole, and your desire for union is your desire for the return to wholeness. This desire for union can manifest in sexual desire. But that which impels sexual desire is not the physical gratification, but the desire for wholeness. We all yearn to be whole and to be one. And this yearning and this desire is translated at many levels of our society. Freud analyzed it as saying that all energy is sex energy and it's diverted into other channels. But when we are creative and when we follow a calling, it is the energy of the sacred fire coming forth as attainment in preparation for the return, the reunion to the twin flame. So it's a slightly different slant when you see it from the level of the masters. Marriage is an institution sponsored by hierarchy. When we understand that saints, sages, have walked the earth, returned, are a part of that company known as the Ascended Masters or the Great White Brotherhood, and that they sanction marriage as a unit of society for the protection of the Christ, then we can see that marriage is not simply standing up and taking vows to one another, but it is something that because it is released by hierarchy, needs to have the blessing of one who represents that hierarchy. As people have prepared themselves to be ministers and priests to represent God, though they are not perfect, they are ensouled by God, and they are given then the flame and the ray in this order and this ritual of the marriage ceremony. Now the age of Aquarius is the age of ritual. It is the age of the flame of freedom. Just before the coming in, it's like before a big wave comes in and the receding of the water, there is a resistance to that which is coming, a pulling back. If you've ever stood in the sand, you feel yourself first being drawn toward the wave and then being pushed the other way. Well, that's what happens when a new dispensation comes forth. When Jesus came, he was resisted violently by the religionists of his time. So we resist the flame of freedom, or we pervert it. The world is filled with tyranny, and we feel that because ritual has failed for 2,000 years, it has become dead without meaning. We should throw out all ritual, because ritual is therefore not good. But it is man that has destroyed ritual, not God. And ritual is a right you all, the writing of energies the establishing of a force field. Ritual is for a purpose of anchoring energies. Just like you take blueprints to plan a house before you build it. A ritual, whether it's in the church or the home or between man and woman, is a setting of a pattern for the future release of greater energies. It has its very important place in our lives. 
What would we do without the ritual of getting up and brushing our teeth and doing certain daily things that we do? If every new day was a completely new organization, we would be beside ourselves. We would have nothing to depend upon. If sometimes the buses worked and sometimes they didn't, sometimes we went to work at 11 and sometimes 6 a.m., we have all kinds of rituals in society that we need. When they are infused with that grace, which we're talking about, they have a buoyancy and a joy. So marriage is a ritual. The purpose of the family in our day and age is for man and woman to serve together as one, heart, head, and hand in the service of the Christ, to provide this fiery circle against the shocks of the world, to provide the cradle for incoming souls or incoming ideas for creative genius. When we talk about reincarnation and karma and the family, we realize that there are marriages that must take place because of karma. The only way individuals can work out an intense hatred that they have had for one another in past incarnations is through a great ennobling love. Hatred attracts and so does love attract. And sometimes an instantaneous attraction for someone will be love, but it may also be hatred, and that hatred may turn into love presenting a dichotomy of circumstances in a situation between man and woman. When there are these violent reactions of emotions, you know you are experiencing records of the past, energies that are now to the fore. You realize you are an embodiment to balance these energies. That which frees is love. If you want to be free from someone that you hate, you must love. And so there is the marriage of karma, the marriage of twin flames, the marriage of soulmates, the marriage of brother-sister. That is brother-sister relationships in the spiritual sense. Kindred souls who have worked together in the past come forth. They are married. It's a different type of marriage. It's a successful marriage, but it may have more of the aspect of brother-sister than man-woman. Or at times it may experience the whole gamut sometimes father, mother, sometimes child. In any case, not only are man and woman brought together through karma, through cause and effect of relationships in the past, but the children which they bear are souls with whom they also have a karma, a tie of the past. When you take life, you must give life. If you have slain people on the battlefields of life, or if you have murdered deliberately in the past, and not too many of us are exceptions to those experiences because we have lived through just about every condition that the race has fallen heir to over thousands of years of injustice. If you have taken life, you must give life. Giving life means to bring forth children who are the souls of the very ones that you have struck down. When we bring forth this type of child, we find that every child in the family is extremely different. Highly different origins, and sometimes the children and the parents wonder what they have in common at all. There's strife between the father and the sons, or the mother and the daughters, and the family is not a cohesive unit. 
because they have not recognized that the family is the crucible for the balancing of karma and that the answer to the sanding off of the rough places is my grace is sufficient for thee, the grace of the Holy Spirit. Well, indeed, family is the crucible for the balancing of karma. On that note, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few moments, so please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Those seeking a higher spiritual path question everything. It is the nature of a spiritual seeker. They look deeply at all world religions and know that there are nuggets of truth within them all. The Summit Lighthouse is a deep repository of spiritual wisdom delivered by the Ascended Masters through their messengers Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. For over 50 years, we have brought seekers worldwide liberating teachings that include the violet flame, the creative power of sound, and a deep personal connection to the Masters of Light. The goal of our show is to bring you timely spiritual teachings that are practical and liberating. For a free download of one of our most popular books, go to www.summitlighthouse.org forward slash radio downloads. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse. Please send your comments or questions to webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to our show. And thanks for staying with us, everyone. We are back for one final segment here. We're talking today about the family. And we have a special guest in the room with us, Rex Davis and Nerly Duffy. And we've been sort of engaged in some lively conversation. And we certainly had a lot to listen to and to absorb in those two excerpts from the lecture on the family designs for the Golden Age. So we've got a lot here to talk about. I'd like to maybe start with one point that was made before we actually went to the excerpts, and it was certainly amplified during the, what we heard. Family is the unit of society whose purpose is for the protection of the Christ. Isn't that a great concept? Yeah, well, it is. And, uh, and it's also important to know that it's a place to which the soul can retreat. You know, go out into the world mm-hmm. and you can always come home to the family unit. The haven. Or, yeah, it's the haven. It's, it's, it's a grounding place. It's really so, sweet to hear that. And you wonder how many families actually provide the haven. I know. <laughs> and, you know, a thought I had earlier in the show was uh, I, I, I began to see uh, the breakdown of the family unit when TV trays came in to being. Because we, we no longer had dinner at the table and oh. conversing. You know, it was like a, like a central place where we could all exchange our, our thoughts and, mm-hmm. you know, the occasions of what happened during the day and one thing or another. But then it was a breaking down and too much Getting away from that, watching TV in front of the, you know, the TV train, the whole thing. You know, there was an author, I don't remember his name, who wants to find God as having a freezer full of TV dinners. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a, what a, what yeah, a thought. I know. But, but isn't that, you know, bringing back the family dinner? I mean, there's a movement for that where mm-hmm. I, I remember we just, you would sit around, we had a round table, yeah. which was very inclusive. <laughs> 
And we would always have a meal together as a family. There was four kids, mom and dad, mm-hmm. two boys, two girls. And each one would go around and talk about their day. It's wonderful. And we would each give one another support and feedback. And, you know, how many families even do that once a week? Oh, They're so gosh. busy. You know, it's good for us to be looking at just one simple little switch. There's, a, there's a woman on, um, uh, I think it was YouTube, who has gained quite a following, and she and her family now have an unplugged day yeah. every day. Yeah. I don't know if it's Saturday what it is, but no cell phones, no TV, no nothing. It's, it's family time, focus time, being present with each other, and they talk about it like they look forward to that day. Yeah. And one of the children said, well, why don't we do it more often? We don't have to look forward to it. Let's do it again. Let's yeah. do it now. Yeah. That's right. It's yeah. kind of interesting that um, you know what's old is new again. Often what I'm seeing now in a lot of... Um, I don't know what you call them, hipster circles or people who are kind of on the cutting edge of culture, <laughs> is that now the next level of you know, cultural experimentation is unplugging. Mm-hmm. It is you know, sitting down at a table with your friends uh, over a meal that you all cooked communally together and having you know, really engaging, uh, meaningful conversation with yes. each other. And you know, certainly in the, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the whole the explosion of uh, television uh, really did wreck quite a bit of havoc on the family life. It's very, well, this is a topic for another time, but television <laughs> is one of the media that is um, has had a lot of thought uh, put into it by a lot of psychologists and uh, propagandists. Mm-hmm. And it is a very effective tool for completely bypassing the rational parts of the brain, the frontal lobes, and appealing directly to emotion. And, you know, there have been lots of studies that have shown that children that watch, you know, X number of hours of television per day are not as, um, well, for lack of a better word, intelligent, (laughs) engaged in their learning uh, process, and it's correlated with obesity and lots of other things. So television can be powerful. I mean, I I love YouTube. I love watching documentaries. I love learning. But there is a lot of garbage out there, and it's much better to just yeah. have meaningful conversations with people and read good books. And if you have to watch television, watch meaningful stuff that allows you to learn something. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what can we do? What, what can the average person do to support and help the families that are out there that are, that are struggling, that are really going through stuff? You know, we... Um, thank you for asking that question. Uh, you you weren't paid to lead into this. But <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, TSL.org slash family. You'll find a lot of resources there for how to, you know, kind of recreate your family if you're in a situation where there's some, you know, whatever's going on. We wouldn't have to name them. But just getting back to being present with your family, certain things you can do, rituals that you can perform with your brothers and sisters, your mothers and fathers, your extended family, things like that. There's a lot of rich content there that you'll find very uh, appealing, I think, and very useful, too. So that's tsl.org slash family. And I also want to, um, we mentioned this before, the excerpts that you heard from Elizabeth Claire Prophet came from a product that we have called Family Designs for the Golden Age. And this is about, I think, must be about 12 hours of material, or nearly so, yeah. Um, some of which we heard, of course, today, but it goes beyond that. It, it's it's very comprehensive anyway. Very well worth it. And that, again, is Family Designs for the Golden Age. So if you get a chance, you can go to our bookstore at tsl.org slash bookstore, type in Family Designs, you'll find it. And if not, just go to the website, tsl.org slash family, and again, you'll find a wealth of material that will help you kind of understand your purpose in a family. 
this cradle of the Christ and uh, many other aspects as well. Uh, and one of the things that I, I just noticed on that is uh, one of the uh, you'll learn how to chart your family's cycles on the cosmic clock, which Ooh, yeah. and we've got programs that we've done on the cosmic clock. But that that's another wonderful feature of that album. Well, I know why you're here. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and and what the tests are. <laughs> what the tests are when they're going to be coming. Yeah. What yep. they're going to look like. It's yeah. very very useful. One of the things um, in the lecture that Mother gave that we listened to in the earlier segment, she talked about how the fallen ones their strategy is to basically remove the flame of life, the sacredness of life from the, the, from the individual and of the mother. And, you know, Native American spiritual philosophy, there is, there is this concept called the spirit, the great spirit, the spirit that moves in all things. And in Buddhism, in almost any religion, mm. there is this knowledge that uh, life is sacred and there is a force, there is an energy that's present in the universe that's found in all things and is, it needs to be honored. And... Um, you know, we know that the, the strategy of the fallen ones is to remove that sacredness from practically everything, to divide people up, make them function as individuals, remove any semblance of family or community, okay. kind of the divide and conquer tactic. Yep. So anything we can do to bring people together, whether it's in communities, it's in families, is very important. And I guess the thing I would leave with is the number one thing that people can do if they want to create some type of change in their life and their family is examine yourself. Look at your psychology. Understand what you can change in yourself personally first. Indeed. And, you know, um, Mrs. Prophet made the point in the first excerpt that one person yeah. with, with that intention can change the world. Yeah. So maybe well, that's where we need to leave it is that we're more powerful than we realize. Yeah, it's been a good show, Tom. Well, thank you. And I wish we had more time with you guys. Mm. Maybe you'll be back. Sure. So I want to say thank us. you to, to Nerly Duffy and to Rex Davis for being with us today. Thank you very much. Terry, of course, thanks for being with us always. Oh, you're welcome. And, and you folks out there, stay with us. With uh, Just go to uh, webradio at tsl.org. You just give them that again. Webradio <laughs> at tsl.org. Thank you, Terry. And as we like to say, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out, out of this, this world. world. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you again. Thank you again for joining us this week. Remember, tell your friends and family that they can listen to us live each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and Noon Mountain on Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and The Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website, www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.